With that, we are finishing up a series of lessons that we called Partnering with God. We've been on this for several weeks. Thanks for being with us. It seems like every time you kind of get in the Word, uh, it, there's just more and more you can find and can talk about. Growing, increasing, uh, develop yourself in, stretch. And when it comes to this aspect that we talked about partnering with God, it definitely is something that we all can grow in and stretch in. It's not just receiving something from God. But we've been finding out as we partner with God, God's got a responsibility. And then man, us, man or woman, we have a responsibility to do something with what God has blessed us with. We know all throughout the Bible, as we have been seeing, even with Jabez, we started out weeks ago, that he's a guy who's got a name. His, his name actually means sorrowful, sorry. That's what his name means because his mother bore him in shame. And he cries out to God, born in sorrow, cries out to God, God, you know, bless me indeed. Uh, enlarge my territory. Let me, let, let me stretch forth. Let me, let me see something different. Let, let your hand be with me, your, your power, your presence be with me and keep me from evil. And the Bible says God heard him and God answered him. And so if God would bless somebody, God would enlarge somebody, God would stretch somebody, God would protect somebody that just cries out to him, what will he do for you and me who are his children? So, so over and over we're finding truths from the Old Testament and from the New Testament on how God is so vitally connected to us as a loving Heavenly Father and desires only the best for us. But he will constantly challenge us in this one area concerning finances or concerning money. It's just never going to end. Again, I'm 62. I've been serving God, you know, in the church my whole life. Faithfully, I say since I was 20, really made a, a push. So for 42 years, I've been doing what I'm doing as a believer, not a pastor, but as a believer. And God will continually touch my heart and ask me to do something that sometimes will make me nervous in the financial realm or the generous realm or whatever because he's trying to then test my heart to ask me, do you really believe I own it or do you still believe you own it? We found out that we are managers. We're not owners. We are stewards of what belongs to another. That's our only position. If we think we own it, if we think we own it, we will manage it disproportionately to God's heart and God's intent. Because man, me and you, we are susceptible to consume everything we have on our own self and our own well-being. When God wants us to receive and understand what we receive from him, but what he also wants us to be passed through us. We said this weeks ago by way of review is this thing called the blessing. We, we said a couple of different things, that the blessing of God is spiritual, we said, number one, talking about this thing with Abraham from Genesis chapter 12, that the blessing of God is spiritual, that it will reveal your sonship, who you are in Christ. It will reveal the spiritual blessing, that you're blessed, you're called, you're chosen, you're accepted, you're delivered, you're forgiven, you're healed, you're sanctified, you're redeemed. Can anybody in the house say Amen. We said also that this blessing is physical because we found out that this blessing that God gave to Abraham was physical, actually caused his body as a 100-year-old man and his wife as a 90-year-old woman to actually be able to have a child. The blessing is physical. It, it, it'll involve health and it'll involve strength and, and, and it will bring long life. Uh, Abraham lived, you know, many, many decades after that. It, 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 this blessing of God on your life is, isn't just some ethereal thing. Thing. isn't just some spiritual thing. Absolutely, it's spiritual, but it also is physical. It's going to work in your body. But, but not just that. And we're finding out with partnering with God that the blessing of God is material. It's material. We found that out with Abraham, that when he connected with God, God connected with him. When he went out and got those, uh, went to war against those five kings that came against his, his nephew Lot and took all the stuff from Sodom and Gomorrah, we found out this, this person, Melchizedek, met him. And he then, Melchizedek, pronounced a blessing on him, and Abram, in response, gave him the top 10% called the tithe, the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. He gave Melchizedek, a type of Jesus, a theophany in the Old Testament. He gave him, willingly gave him that. 
So we find out that the blessing of God is spiritual. The blessing of God is physical. It's going to work in your body. The blessing of God is material. It's going to bring abundance in your life. It's going to bring provision in your life. It's going to bring favor in your life. It's going to do for you what your education can't do. It's going to do for you what your networking can't do. It's going to do for you what no friend could open a door or no, you know, nothing like that. It's not natural. It's supernatural, and God's asking us continually to partner with him in a natural, physical, material world so that God can use you in a way that you can't believe he could use you. Anybody down with that? I want to read something from the Old Testament in a minute. We'll read it from the book of Leviticus. We've read a couple of uh, verses in, in the series from Leviticus because it's not a book that we generally go to. But we're going to read this, and I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, it's going to blow your mind away when you find out how God was so good to the nation of Israel, and God's not doing the same thing to us today or with us today, but I want you to see this scripture and, and look at it about how just good God is. Listen to me. And if, again, he was so good back then, he is still that good now. So some of you will remember in reading the Old Testament that um, God, when he spoke to Moses and he laid out the ordinances and he laid out the, the commandments, God said that every seventh day was a holy day for the nation of Israel. Does anybody remember what that day was called? The Sabbath. Come on, everybody say Sabbath. Every seventh day for the nation of Israel was a holy day called Sabbath. Nobody worked. Nobody pulled weeds, nobody picked a tomato, nobody took their donkey from point A to point B. You could only walk a certain length of time. In fact, the one time that I was in Israel, uh, about six or seven or eight years ago, we went to a town that was a strict, orthodox Jewish town. Now, some of the towns, they have definitely moved away from Old Testament thought. Well, this town was an Old Testament-keeping, staunch Jewish community, and they, they found that, that uh, uh, the law said you could only walk a certain length of time on the Sabbath. If you walked longer than that, you were violating the Sabbath. So if you needed water somewhere, you could only walk so far to get your water. Well, these people, there was actually wires on poles from point A to point B that would show them on the Sabbath how far they could walk. It was incredible. So every seventh day, God said, I ain't playing around. Listen to me. You think you need to work seven days a week to pay your own bills, to do your own thing? You're a fool, guys. That's what he's telling them. Listen, you need to take a break, and you need to honor me as the God who can work behind this. I can do more for you in six days than you can do in seven days. Uh, the plot thickens. Every seventh year, seventh day, rest, Sabbath, every seventh year was designated as a year of release to cause the land to rest. So what God says, no planting on the seventh year. We're not doing that. We're going to let the land rest every seventh year. We're not going to till the land. We're not going to plow the land. I'm going to provide for you. Every 50th year was called a year of jubilee. All the debts were removed. All the land was then restored to the former owners. God completely reversed. If something was taken from you, if you got in bad debt, God said every 50 years, the land that you sold to pay your debt would go back to you. God was amazing at trying to restore what was once yours or what was once lost. So listen to me. Get in your mind. God's for me when it comes to economics. God's for me when it comes to provision. God wants me to increase. God wants me to abound. God wants me to enjoy his favor on the earth, but I have to partner with him. Are y'all getting it? All right. So every seventh year was a designated as a year of release that would allow the land to rest. And by the way, you do realize that in the time the Bible's written, this time that we're going to read in Leviticus, everybody lived off the land, right? You were either bartering, you were trading some, you were buying some things from, you know, in the economy that way. But almost everybody had their own cattle, their own sheep, their own goats. It was a bartering society, but everybody lived off the land. And so if God says, we ain't doing anything on the land for this seventh year, you're asking, I'm asking, how are we going to make it? And God says, you're going to have to 
to trust me up in here. So let's read what God asked them to do. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 18. If you want, come on, come on, look at this now. If you want to live securely in the land, follow my decrees and obey my regulations. Anybody down with that? I want to live securely right here up in here in Chula Vista. Then I'm going to have to follow God's, land, God's decrees and what he's given to me. He says, then the land, if you do this, if you obey me, the land is going to yield large crops. Well, I thought God's trying to take something from me. What church are you from? Come on, somebody. What have you been listening to? Who, what, what crazy preacher did you listen to to hear that? God says, the land that you're in is going to yield large crops, and you're going to eat to the full. Full? Fill? You mean you want me full? Yes. And you're going to live securely in it. Wow. Look at verse 21. But you might ask, what will we eat in the seventh year since we're not allowed to plant the harvest of crops that year? What am I going to eat? How the baby's going to get diapers? How are we going to get food? How am I going to put gas in the car? How am I going to pay for tuition for the kids? Be assured that I will send my command. These are, these are words that I've put in there that mean the same thing that you'll see in different translations. God says, be assured that I will send my command. I will appoint. I'll send my order. I'll send my blessing. Come on, somebody say my blessing. My blessing for you, 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 every individual, you. I'm going to send my blessing for you in the sixth year. So the land will produce a crop large enough for three years. When you plant your fields in the eighth year, because you couldn't plant them in the seventh year, because that's a year release, you will still be eating from the large crop of the sixth year. And then, and then the writer says this, in fact, You'll still be eating from that large crop when the new crop is harvested in the ninth year. Come on, somebody shout right now, will you? I'm about to throw this microphone on the ground and dance. Come on, somebody. God says, you got me. I don't know what, what you know, TV preacher you've been listening to or what, what dude you read or what, what, the, what the government's telling to you. I'm telling you. If you roll with me, I'm rolling with you, and I'm going to take care of you. A crop so large, listen, you don't have to worry about the seventh year. It's going to carry you in the eighth year. And I'm telling you what, in fact, you'll still be eating it in the ninth year. Jesus. The blessing produced something natural that brought abundance. It brought Increase. I will proclaim. I will send. I will command my blessing on you. On you. Proverbs 20, excuse me, Proverbs 10, verse 22 says this The blessing of the Lord makes one rich or makes one wealthy and adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord. Well, what would, you, what would be the blessing of the Lord? Well, the blessing of the Lord is spiritual. It's going to produce in my life. It's going to produce sonship in my life. Realize who I am. Realize who God is. Realize his plan in my life. The blessing is physical on my life. God says, I'm going to be with you. Come on, I'm, I'm going to restore health and healing to you. I'm going to strengthen your body. I'm going to heal you from all your wounds. It's physical. It's going to produce God's will and purpose in my life. I'm going to cooperate with it. I'm, I'm going to try to my best to, to, to get off Oreos and double stuff Oreos and, and ice cream and, and, and tacos every day and chips. Come on, somebody. I'm going to cooperate with it, right? I'm going to cooperate with it. I'm going to try to keep my body. I'm going to try to keep it a little bit physically fit. But, but I'm going to trust the blessing of the Lord. Come on, everybody. And the blessing of the Lord is material. It's going to bring abundance. It's going to bring favor. It's going to, bring, it's going to be, bring provision in your life. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, makes one wealthy, and adds no sorrow with it. Adds no sorrow with it. Not, 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 not ashamed and not, not sorrowful and not living a life of lack or, or insufficiency. God says, partner with me. So I, I would say, I would just say, based on this, that we could say this, that I just wrote for my own self, and I'll let you in on it. The byproduct of a life lived obeying God. The, the byproduct of a life lived obeying God, walking in partnership under his blessing, is having enough and more so you and I can be generous. The, the, the byproduct. It's not the main thing. But it is a byproduct, and, 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 and it is a bit of a main thing. 
in that the only way God's going to get anything done on the earth is getting it done through you and me, the people of God, to carry out his precepts on the earth. So we don't need to be ashamed. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be negative. We don't need to be critical of anybody that has abundance. In fact, we ought to be saying, Lord, I thank you that you have blessed them. I thank you that you have increased them. And Lord God, I'm going to be faithful. I'm not wanting what they want. That's not my lane to run in. I'm going to be faithful in my lane. Talk to me about partnering with you so that you can get glory through me in being a blessing to any other and every person I come in contact with. Whatever what you want to do, touch my heart, open my heart, Lord God. The byproduct of having a great relationship with you, the byproduct, heaven is my home. I know that you're going to give me strength all the time that I'm here. But Lord God, I want, to, I want you to use me to be a blessing in this natural realm, in this resource realm. That's not just for me and my family, my four and no more. Use me that I can be a blessing to the church. I can tithe. Use me that when I see somebody that might need something, that I got a few extra dollars, I can help them. Use me with that single mom over there. I can buy the baby some shoes. Use me that I, I know how much diapers cost. Woo, help me somebody. I'm going to give them some diapers. Use me, Lord God, that I realize it's not just about me, but what you can do through me. Because I, come on, I know you're going to take care of me. Come on, everybody. Come on, somebody in the back, clap a little bit, will you? Yeah. Yeah. So this would just be summarized that we would say weeks ago when we read about Abraham. God says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you a blessing to other people. That's what God wants to do with all of us, with our words, with our actions, with our attitudes, with our prayer, but also with the resources that God's blessed us with. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, come on, it's the gold standard of, of preachers preaching and beating the table to say, come on, church, y'all got to tithe. You've heard it before if you've been in church, we talk about it, but let's just look at it one more time. God tells Malachi, and, and, and by the way, these folks were just in a backslidden state. They weren't following God. They weren't following the word of God. But one way that we find out, excuse me, that God told them to turn toward me, turn toward me, is don't just turn toward me with your mouth, turn toward me with your stuff. Because your stuff, we're going to find out, reveals your heart, the inside of you. Here's what God says in, to Malachi as he prophesies in Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. We'll break this down in a moment that there may be food in my house, and try me in this or prove me in this. Only time in the Bible he says, prove me. Interesting, huh? Says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you, you personally, you, the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. F phenomenal scripture. I, 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 I don't know about you, but if I've got a problem, if you've, if you've had a challenge with believing God, that God would actually do something, if I were you all week long, all day long, I'd write Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 on a card, and I'd keep it before me, keep it in my pocket, keep it in my purse, keep it in the mirror, keep it in your, wherever you're at, so you can see this about what God's going to do for you if you just bring the tithe to him. He says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour out a blessing for you. Wow. So, but, but before that, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So we, we found out a couple weeks ago that, that tithing is, is a spiritual proof or excuse me, is physical proof of spiritual trust. So I trust God. Uh, you, you can say, Gary, show me. Tell, tell me, you trust God in your money? I trust God in my money. Prove it. Prove it. How am I going to prove that? Well, I can prove it because I tithe. I give offerings. I support the poor. I try to be a blessing to anybody and everybody I can. And I, I, not at the neglect of my family. I believe we can do it all. I believe we can make adjustments. I believe we can figure out our budget and we can start. And wherever we start, we don't stop, that we can keep becoming more and more generous. Tithing is physical proof of spiritual trust. So he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Into the storehouse. Again, taking this Old Testament scripture, New Testament application, the storehouse now would be the local church. Bring all the tithes into the local church. That there may be food in my house. Listen to me. Not food in your house here. Listen. Not food in your house here. 
food in this house. What kind of food? Spiritual food. That when you come here, you're receiving from the word of God. Your kids are being taught downstairs. Your youth are outside right now with Ashley and Giuseppe hearing the word of God that's going to change them forever. So when you bring your tithe, when you bring your tithe into the storehouse, into the storehouse, there's going to be food in this house. And God says, prove me. Only time in the scripture. Prove me. Try me in this. You can put me to the test, God says, in this word. And he tells us, I'll open up the windows of heaven. I'll pour out such a blessing in your life. I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'll pour out a blessing. Stop, pump the brakes one more time. Last time I got a chance to talk to you until we tap into this sometime again in 2023. Refrigerators don't come from heaven. Cars don't come from heaven. Condos don't come from heaven. That's not the blessing he's talking about. What was the blessing? Abraham meets Melchizedek, a type of Christ. Melchizedek pronounces a blessing on his life. Abraham honors him with the tithe. That partnership produced change in his physical body, changed in his, in his material life, change in his spiritual walk with God. It changed everything. The blessing is a spoken thing that changes everything. My Lord, my Lord, the blessing, the blessing, it produced material things here for Abram. It produced material things, not only, but we're just talking about this one, one aspect, for his son Isaac, for his grandson Jacob, for his great-grandson Joseph. It continually, continually worked. And, and, and so he tells us, and he says, you, you know, I'm going to pour out such blessing. There's not room enough to receive it, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. What's that mean? There's just not room enough to receive it. In other words, I, I, I don't need any more. I don't need any more. Yeah, my little longing, my little greedy eye wants more, but I don't need any more. So I'm going to give this away willingly, willingly. Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, you'll find something really interesting. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, 120 of the, uh, men and women in the upper room got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there was that noise, and they went out in the streets. And, and there was all these people from all about 18 or different or 20 different uh, areas, different uh, regions, came because it was the day of Pentecost, and they heard the word of God. They all got saved, got filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but you find out uh, that one of the signs, not the only sign, but one of the signs that happened when these people received Jesus and were filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the signs was just this supernatural generosity. You read it in Acts chapter 2. It says that some of these people that had extra lands, they sold their lands, sold their excess property and brought it to the church. They, 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 they had their goods that, that, that they had and, and they sold things and they gave them. So, so listen to me. The, one, of the, one of the first evidences of the Holy Spirit working in a man or a woman's life, changing their life, wasn't how they worshiped, wasn't how they sang, wasn't how they were just loving, but was evidenced in their giving, was evidenced in their generosity. So, so we've said this for weeks, and I want to I just drill it down with you one more time, is that your hand is a reflection of your heart. Is that if you, have a, if you have a closed hand, it's just symbolic that you've got a closed heart. If you've got an open hand, it, it, it's symbolic and, 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 and it's, it's a mirror that you've got, a, you've got an open heart. Is that God has your heart because your hand isn't, isn't closed. In Acts chapter 10, there's a story of a guy named Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion. He's, uh, he's working for Rome. He's got 100 men under him. And the scripture says this, he's a devout man even though he's a Roman citizen. He's a devout man. He feared God uh, with his whole household. And he, here's what the scripture says. He gave alms to the poor, gave alms to the poor, and prayed to God continually. That's what, what it says. That's what it says. And it says this and tells us this phenomenal story. It, it says an angel of the Lord, Acts chapter 10, verse 4. Check it out. An angel says to Cornelius, your prayers and your generous gifts to the poor have come up as a sacrifice to God and have been remembered by him. I, I, I thought, 
I thought only my prayers were remembered by God. Mm -mm. Not what the scripture says. Everything you give, every person you've given to, every dollar you've ever tied to this church, every gift you've given where you just bought someone something and paid it forward, whatever, any act of generosity has been recorded in heaven. Your prayers and your giving, we know, affect the earth, but they're remembered in heaven. God sees and accounts for what you're doing, not only with prayer, the spiritual side, but also the material side. That's why we read, and have been, we, we've read it before, the scripture in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Esteem the Lord. Value the Lord. Show, show great respect for the Lord with your possessions. That's stewardship. That's stewardship. That, that, that's a manager's thought. This isn't mine. I'm going to value. I'm going to honor. I'm going to, I'm going to show great respect to, to the Lord with, with these possessions. I'm, I'm going to wash my car because the car didn't belong to me. I'm going to vacuum the car because the car didn't belong to me. I'm going to clean the windows at the, at, at the apartment. I, I know I'm renting it. I, I know I'm renting it. But if I'm faithful here in the apartment, then I'm paying $1,800 a month, and I hate paying that. Maybe if I'll be faithful in this, maybe I'll own my own condo. I, I think that, that's how God thinks. That, that's how God thinks. Faithful and little, ruler over much. So I'm going to honor the Lord with where I'm at right now. I'm going to wash my clothes. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to clean my glasses because I'm going to honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And he says, with the first fruits of all your increase. The first fruit means the tithe. We found that out. What happens if I do that? Again, don't let the world and don't let religious people talk you out of the blessing of the Lord. He says, God says, it's recorded. If you honor me with what you have, and you bring the first fruits, the tithe to me, I will do, verse 10. Whatever that's going on. I don't know what's happened there. God will not give you an airplay, 2039. I don't know. Raina's iPhone. I don't know what that means, but that's really weird. The Bible says that God will, God will. What's he going to do? Your barns, verse 10 are going to be filled with plenty. Your barns are going to be filled with plenty. And your vats are going to overflow with new wine. You're going to have plenty, and you're going to have some new stuff. And it's going to be filled, and God's going to honor you with it. So there is a cause and effect. Come on, everybody. If it's not working, it's okay. We'll just shut it off. Mario, we're going to get rid of that, Mario. If it's not working, I don't want it working up here, trying to figure it out. So listen, if we honor God, God says, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do it for you. You don't have to wonder. He says, I'm going to do it for you. I'm, I'm going to do it for you. Uh, um, I, I read something this past week, and it just challenged me to the core. So since I read it, or two weeks ago, since it challenged me, I want to challenge you. Is that all right? Here was the statement, and here's how much it just rocked me. Maybe it rocks you the same way. Well, I'm sure we'll have it back there. How much, here's the question, how much can God bless you with until you use it against him? How much can God bless you with until you use it against him? I've heard stories of people that have been raised in church, heard a message like this over the course of years, businessman this particular story was, and through the course of coming to church and, and understanding that God, God wants him to partner with him in the tithe and the offering, and he would willingly started doing that, and God supernaturally prospered his business. I mean, he started out, you know, making $100,000 a year, $500,000 a year, a million dollars a year, 
$10 million a year. And he called a meeting with the pastor. And he said, Pastor, I just want you to know that I'm making so much money now, I can't tithe like I used to. In other words, God prospered him so much, writing that check if you made $10 million a year, writing a million dollars check to the church was just unconscionable to him. But if he made $1,000 a year, writing a $100 check was no big deal back then. But let me tell you what, the zeros mess with some people. And so the pastor said, well, only thing I can think of is that we just pray about it right now. And so he said, okay, let's get on our knees. And they got on their knees and the pastor said, give me your hand. And he grabbed that man's hand and he said, Father, I pray that you would, would reduce his salary to whatever it takes so that he could actually be faithful in the tithe. How many know he got the message right then and wrote a check? How much can God bless you with until you just say, I can't do it. I'm going to consume all this on my own. Okay, we've got to wind down. It's, it's, it's getting late, and I've got to get this to you because if we don't go here, you might be asking, come on, Gary, how? How? And I get it. I, listen, I get it. I've talked to a lot of people for 38 years. I get it. How? You don't understand. How, how am I going to do this? How, how can I really do this? I'm going to give you a, a two-word answer that I, I hope you get. I hope you understand this. I'm going to read the scriptures about this. Because if you get this, listen to me, you'll be on the journey for your life changing. How, how am I going to do this? How am I actually going to do this? Here's the two words. God's grace. God's grace. One definition of grace is God's power in me to do what his will demands of me. God's power working in me. Not just to be saved, spiritual, the spiritual side. Not just to be physical, God's grace works in our body, restoring, come on, rectifying, causing us to, to have strength to come back to our body if something's been broken. We know that physically. We know that just naturally. But then also the spiritual aspect physically in our body. Uh, but then also God working materially in us. That, that God's power in me to do what his will demands of me. If you told me, Gary, tithe, then your grace gives me the power and ability to be able to do that. Let's look at scripture as we wind this down. Two lengthy portions of scripture from 2 Corinthians. Paul's writing to a New Testament church. This would be us. Church at Spectrum would be the church at Corinth. And he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. He says, now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace. Come on, let me say the grace. grace. That's been given to the churches of Macedonia, the Macedonian churches. We, we want you Corinthians to know what God's done over here in Macedonia. Check it out, verse 2. In the midst of of a very severe trial and the overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Look at that one more time. All those words together just don't make sense, guys. Listen to me. This just doesn't make sense. It, 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 one more time. Read it with me there. In the midst of their very, their very severe trial, their overflowing joy. You ever been through a very severe trial financially? And what's your response? Generally, probably not overflowing joy. Probably like, oh God, oh God, oh God, what are you doing? Are, are, you, are, you, trying to, are you trying to tempt me? Are you try, what have I done to you? God, are you there? Not these folks. Their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. What? The, these words do not make sense, naturally. That's why giving isn't a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. And you tap into the grace of God. Verse 3, I testify, here we go again that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, even on their own, entirely on their own. 
How are you in such poverty? How are you in such need? How are you in such a severe trial? And you not only are able to give, but give beyond your ability? Verse 4, they urgently plead with us, here's the words, for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Let us have the privilege to give to somebody else. Let me have the privilege to honor you with my tithe. Let me have the privilege for us personally, Kimberly and I, to support some missionaries that you'll hear in March in Bogota, Colombia, that we've supported for 38 years. Let us have the privilege to say no to some of the things we might want and say yes to being used by God in a way that we could only dream about. It's for all of us. They exceeded, verse 5, our expectations. They gave themselves first, first of all to the Lord. That's what we all have to do. I'm giving myself to you. And then they gave themselves to the leaders, to Paul, to Titus, to, to these leaders by the will of God. Verse 6, so we urged Titus, just as we had earlier, made a beginning of it, that we started talking about this, this giving that we were going to do for the people, uh, that, that they would bring a completion of it. Look at this, that they would bring also to completion this act of grace. Notice, this act of grace. Well, I thought grace was just, you know, Ephesians chapter 2, that, man, I'm saved uh, 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 by, by grace through faith, that God, 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 you know, reaches my heart, touches me by grace, saved, and my faith reaches back to him. Yes, the spiritual aspect. But yes, the material aspect. That God says, I've got grace in your life that will help you in the race of this natural world. You don't have to get, you get out of the rat race. Get into the God grace of giving and let God work in your life. Verse 7, he finishes, but since you excel in everything... You excel in everything, Here's the spiritual side, faith, speech, knowledge, in complete earnestness and love that we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Spectrum Church, my desire for your life is that you would excel in the grace of giving. My, my desire in your life is that you would excel in the spiritual grace of life, and you'd grow spiritually and understand more and more the sonship of daughtership, the, the, the childship, if you will, of who you and I are in Christ, that we would excel in, in, our, in, our, in understanding how much God wants this temple to be devoted to him and that we'd, we, we'd separate it from ungodliness and joining, whatever it is, and, and, and crazy stuff that we would allow to come into our temple. And we would, we would honor God physically, and, and we'd excel in the grace of this supernatural giving and generosity. God wants us to partner with him in this natural realm, and it requires faith, but the foundation is God's already giving you and I the grace to do it. Can somebody say amen? amen. It doesn't end in chapter 8. We've got four more scriptures to read. Chapter 9, Paul tells us what to do. He tells the Corinthians what to do that the Macedonians did. So here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. This I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Sparingly or bountifully. Verse 7, so, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, come on, read that with me, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I got to tell you the truth because we're winding down the series. I've been telling you the truth for six weeks, and you're only going to hear the truth from me up here, the truth that I see from the Word. But here's the truth. In verse nine, 6 and verse 7, we have two sides of the same coin. Number one, Paul talks about it's what you give. It's what you give. He says sparingly or bountifully. Sparingly means stingily, means tightly. We mean, it would mean closed, closed fist. So, so sparingly 
would, would mean, we know this, it would mean an amount based on what you and I have. My amount's different than yours. Yours is different than your neighbor's. Sparingly, if I choose to give sparingly, it definitely is an amount. It definitely is a percentage. It has to be. For there to be a bountiful amount that I give, or a sparingly, whatever the pot God gives me, I get to choose whether it's going to be sparingly or bountifully. It's not just what I give and what you and I give. It's how we give it. It's how we give it. Because he says, verse 7, purpose in your heart, not grudgingly, not necessity, not, not someone twisting your arm, but let it be cheerful. Let it be joyous. Be a prompt to do it giver, one translation says. Let, let your heart be in your giving. You know, everybody knows it. You've got kids. Christmas time's a big deal, crazy deal. Like at our house with four kids, and my mom and dad were supernaturally generous with our kids, and Kimberly's mom and dad supernaturally generous. And so it was almost embarrassing, let me tell you, embarrassing when we would have friends come over and they go, Dear God, who's all those presents for? It's those kids. It's those kids. We would, we, Christmas is a big deal for us, so we would you know, buy all kinds of stuff for the kids and, 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 and want to bless them. And, and we, know, we know that in this season just naturally with our own kids. And we get such joy when we give something and they, they open it up and they're so full of life and so full of joy and so full of appreciation. And how many know when you, when you, when you bought that thing and they didn't like it, how many know you just wanna, you wanna rip their heads off? Come on, somebody. Let's be real. Come on, somebody. Yeah. So it's what we give and it's, it's how we give, how we give. Then Paul says, hey guys, you get this right? Let me tell you what's going on. Let me just go, let me again, let me tell you the foundation of what's going on here. He says, verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, having all sufficiency in all things. May have an abundance for every good work. My Lord and my God. He says, you partner with me, you sow accordingly, you tithe, you're budgeting, you're honoring me, you, uh, I'm, I'm, you, you, you recognizing me as the, as the possessor and you're the manager of what I've given you currently right now. You're faithful in it. Listen, God's, I, I'm going to give you grace. Grace, all grace is going to abound toward you. All grace. Spiritual grace, yes. Physical grace, yes. Material grace, yes. Yes, all grace abound toward you. That you would have all sufficiency. In all things. So I can live in Southern California. I can have a place. I can drive a car. I can pay for gas. I, I, I can buy food. My kids are going to be, their needs are going to be met. All grace is going to abound toward me. And, and, and I'm going to have an abundance for every good work. So someone said this, if God's grace is so amazing in every other area, how come it's not amazing in this area? Let it be. Let it be amazing in this area. Let God open up your heart, open up your hand, and watch God do something in your life for the rest of your life. I'm able, you let the land rest. I'm able to do more for you and you'll be eating the product of that even in the ninth year. I'm able to take care of you. Let my grace work in you. Here we see something amazing. I see two things here. Sufficiency is about your needs being met. God's able to make all grace abound toward you that you have all sufficiency. God's concerned with you. Yeah, he is. Sufficiency is about your needs being met. But he says this. Abundance is about other people's needs being met through you. Abundance. Abundance. Sufficiency is about your needs being met, but abundance is about other people's needs being met through you. It's not just about you. I can't consume everything for myself. Yeah, my needs, yeah, my wants being taken care of, but also I'm going to be able to tithe. I'm going to be able to give offerings. I'm going to be able to support the poor. I'm going to be able to do everything God's called me to do because of grace. And then he finishes the thought, 
and he says this, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the resources you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Phenomenal scriptures, guys. God will supply the seed to sow. Every single person, regardless of where you think you're at economically right now, abundance or lack or in, in between, living in plenty, living seemingly in lack, God says, I've given you supply. I've given you, listen to me, seed. Every seed produces after its own kind. It's a Genesis principle. Apples produce apples. Corn produces corn. Giving produces giving. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. I'm going to supply seed for you to sow, and I'm going to provide bread for you to eat. It's not just about you giving everything away. No, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you bread for eat. I'm going to give you resources for your living. Yeah. But he says, I'm only going to multiply the seed. I'm going to multiply the seed you've sown. God gives us the seed. The word is seed. God gives us the blessing. Now, in response, we honor him and we worship him and we partner with him and see the grace of God work in our life in unusual and supernatural ways. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to see what God's gonna do in 2023. Amen, everybody. Come on, how many believe God for some open doors in 2023? Come on, how many y'all believe for some favor in 2023? Come on, how many y'all believe for some just unusual circumstances in the natural realm? Just, 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 just unusual things to come to pass. There's a woman that I know of in another state whose husband died early, had cancer and died early. And she was, you know, went through a very difficult time. Her husband was a godly man and just died too early and kind of rocked her for a while. And, you know, she got her bearings back in God and never left church. And her father was a, uh, uh, was a wealthy businessman. And her father then died several years later. Before he died, he told her and said, she's one of two siblings, two kids. And she said, or the, the dad told her and said, um, now I, I haven't been real upfront with you about you know, what I have. I'm gonna be dying here pretty soon. My days are numbered. But I want you to know that, that you, you are, I know your husband died and, and he didn't leave you a whole lot but I want you to know that, that I've got more than enough saved for you. And she had no idea that when her dad died that he would leave her millions of dollars. She had no idea. Now we all read those stories or hear those stories and Reader's Digest or on the World Wide Web and we go, wow. Can I tell you, your loving Heavenly Father is the richest one in the room who loves his kids, who just gets so full of joy to bless you and is just really kind of looking for a couple things. Let me just leave it here today. Something we've been doing all day is just turning around and saying, thank you. Thank you. And receiving what he's blessed you and I with, and then giving it again, again. If we live with an open hand, revealing an open heart, God is going to keep filling your hand with more and more. He gives seed to sow and bread to eat, and he's gonna keep multiplying. So let's expect multiplication 
in the new year. Multiplication in the church physically. Come on, everybody. Multiplication naturally. More and more people coming, everybody. Come on, somebody. More and more. Come on. More healings, more salvations, more deliverances. Come on. More and more people experiencing breakthroughs. God opened up more and more. Come on, everybody. God opened up doors, right? Doing things for you that you can't do for yourself. I can't do. But again, this grace works and we'll keep working and we'll keep working. Amen. So Father, we just say yes and amen to that, this entire series. We're gonna partner with you. Open up hearts, Lord God, of people in the room, people viewing online, Lord God, that we can tithe, we can give offerings, we can live an open-handed life because we serve a generous, generous God in Jesus' name. While your head's bowed, your eyes closed, come on, no one looking around. Maybe you're in the room or you're online. You've been with us today but you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You, you, you've heard the gospel today. You've heard how good he's been. You've heard songs sung about that today, but you just say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, or I've made him the Lord of my life, but I, I've gone my own way and I've done my own things, but today I'm making a change. I'm turning, I, I wanna give thanks to God. I want him to work in my life again. All over the room, we wanna pray with you if that's you today or online. I'm gonna have you just in a few seconds raise your hand. That's just simply saying, that's me, count me in this prayer. We're gonna say a prayer out loud and there will be a spiritual transaction between you and heaven. You will be saved, you'll be forgiven of your sins. Heaven will be yours. Your name, the scripture says, will be written in the Lamb's book of life. The, the book of life forever and ever. Never to be blotted out because of a decision that you make today in a turn. So all over the room, if you want to be included in that prayer, come on, I count to three, just lift your hand. Come on, one, two, three, all over the room, all over the room. Thank you for your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see one hand. Awesome. Awesome. Come on, pray with me. We're going to pray with you today. Mix faith with it, you that raised your hand. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I recognize my need. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. So I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord, be my savior forever and ever. I repent, I change my mind and I change my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and I'll never be the same. In Jesus name, Come on, amen. Come on, let's stand, everybody. Let's give that one person and maybe some others online just a clap and say, praise the Lord. We thank you, Lord, for still changing lives. Come on, everybody. He still changes lives. That's what he does.